towards Oren Roy. Brilliant save indeed. Walsh has scored. Leicester City are in dreamland now. Lovely close control there by Weller. Chance on for Virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal. What a Leicester through to the fourth round of the FA Cup after thrashing Stoke. Two games on the horizon in the Premier League, Southampton and Chelsea. There's no Slimani, he's buggered off to France. All this and much more on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby. And alongside me once again, it's Mr. Rob Hayes. Rob, how do we find you on this snowy Thursday? Yes, I was going to say you find me snowed in. I've I've been at home since lunchtime because we closed the school. Even though the school's technically kind of COVID closed already, we closed it completely and came home. And all the kids, instead of doing their learning this afternoon, have been making snowmen and sending me pictures. All proud. I was like, I'd rather you send me your maths work than a snowman picture. But apart from that... Excellent. That sounds good. It's not really in the in Leicestershire bin. I don't know whereabouts people are listening to this, but from where I am, up in the northwest of Leicestershire, it's saying last night to a few friends on a Zoom call, it was always going to be maybe just the, the one degree too warm for anything really severe in terms of snow and it's rained an awful lot and it's actually snowing quite heavy at the moment but uh, it's not settling really so it's uh, it's nothing really to worry about or nothing to do get really excited about to be honest but uh, but there we go unlike Leicester's FA Cup run which I know is only one game but it was a a really good performance and getting through in the FA Cup is all that matters but winning 4-0 away at Stoke in the manner that they did especially in the second half it's uh, it was a, a a really good performance, and then and and carrying on the good form that they've had, and then looking forward as we will do to the two games in the Premier League, which come thick and fast with the game on Saturday against Southampton, and then on Tuesday against Chelsea, both at home, both at the KP. So first of all, before we deep dive into what happened at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium, I think it's called now, because the the owners they own that that firm, Stoke Firm. But before we do that, just a quick word about our sponsors, uh, FootballKitMarket.com. Make sure you head over to FootballKitMarket.com. They uh, sponsor the podcast, so give them a look. I know they've got lots of January sales, and if you fancy a retro shirt from pretty much any era and any football team, then take a look at them and uh, and and see what's what, and it will help out the podcast. And I know many people actually have been. Uh, uh, rating us as well so you can go on to your podcast provider whether it's itunes apple Podcasts, whatever spotify and give us a rating as well many people have put uh, nice comments as well so if you have done that fantastic if you haven't just uh, spend it only takes five seconds or so and give us a rating right rob football and the fa cup now we were both quite confident about leicester going through no, i don't think anyone said four nil uh just to go through a few of the three-word reviews. 
Um, we have the likes of Taking Cups Seriously uh, from Ollie. We've got uh, four different scorers in the hat, a job well done, a convincing cup win, Yori runs game, uh, Tillemans bossing it, comfortable second gear, uh, James just in masterclass, comfortable and convincing, and uh, those along similar lines. Ollie once again saying about uh, me being miles off, which I suppose is what we need to really start with. The starting lineup. Let's start with the starting lineup, Rob. How wrong could I have been really with the starting lineup? I just thought with the games coming up and, and with the strength of the side, I thought Leicester will make a few changes. Maybe Stoke were just that team, what were they, eighth in the championship? Maybe they were just strong enough to go with this full side or whether it's just a case of just plough on as as we have been. The two players rested were Madison and Vardy and Rogers today in his press conference was quite adamant really with saying that he wasn't resting them in a kind of rotation. It was because of, of injuries that they're carrying in. And, and we know, I think there's, there's going to be absolutely fine for the games against Southampton especially. And then uh, we'll see what happens after that game in regards to Chelsea. But... The the lineups Michael in goal, Justin Evans, Fafana, Castagna, Barnes, Pratt, and Didi, Tillemans, Albrighton, Perez in any kind of formation you like. It was really uh, the four at the back and then uh, the two holding a midfield with with just a, an essential change with those further forward. But it was a convincing win, a a slow burner in the first half, which I think many people would have predicted. But also they were always in command. They were under pressure from. A Stoke side who basically shoved every single tall player in the squad into their starting lineup and and just hoisted the ball forward and ultimately we dealt with that quite well and we created a number of chances a number of openings really we didn't have Vardy in the side and the lack of a number nine was was apparent at, on a few occasions but overall especially then in the second half when I think everyone would have felt that Leicester were always going to be in command and would have controlled the game more. We then moved through one or two gears at Tielemans with a, a number of, of, of really good passes. And those chances created or opportunities created in the first half, the openings and good moves, eventually were finished off. And it was just a really convincing win. It's, uh, and nice to see him at three o'clock on a Saturday and be able to watch the game at that time as well. Yeah, I did think that. Nice. Uh, I said that on the previous podcast, didn't I? Nice, nice to sit down on a Saturday afternoon uh, and have it on what many people would now consider to be normal telly. Uh, don't need any kind of subscription. All you need really is internet connection. That that was all you needed. Or well, I guess you didn't even need that with the red button. But yeah, very pleasing. Sort of, it's one of those performances that you'd almost call professional, isn't it? You're playing against a team who, yes, they're eighth in the championship. There are probably um, uh, a lot of better quality sides in the championship than than Stoke City, um, and you could probably have said the case uh, said that that's the case about Stoke for the last couple of decades. Really, I used to uh, uh, live there back in my university days, and the brand of football hasn't changed an awful lot, has it? But it's it's effective, particularly in the championship. So they're always going to get, uh, especially if they're well organised, they're always going to get some decent results. But it was one that we needed to be a little bit wary of. And I think that the team selection that we put out reflected that. Uh, we were having a bit of a guessing game on the preview podcast uh, where you were predicting nine changes and I went three or four. 
Uh, I was much closer, thank you very much, with just the two. And, it, and it's the two enforced ones, really. Um, and yeah, it's not a rest for Vardy and Madison. It was more out of necessity for their um, continued uh, good health, really. And, and it allowed the, the club to do some medical work with them, which was good. I probably expected a couple more changes. Um, possibly Soyuncu would would have been the main standout one who didn't feature from the start, but he did get some more game time and some more minutes in his leg. But I think it, it needed to, to have the, the core of the team running through it, um, especially with at the moment where, where Schmeichel is the vice-captain. I think with with Morgan not starting games, you take Schmeichel out as well and you put Danny Ward in, which I think you probably would if your club captain was playing every game on the field. But, you know, Schmeichel had to be in there for that leadership. You kept Evans to make sure everything was, was steady. Um, more minutes in the legs of somebody like Castagna. Justin, as you said, previous podcast can play all day, every day, seemingly at the moment, such as his athleticism. Um and I think it worked in in our favour for players like or Brighton and Barnes or Brighton particularly to get his first goal of the season. Barnes to keep on scoring, uh, Perez to get on the on the score sheet as well as one of the two changes to come in. Um, and overall, apart from the the Dennis Pratt injury, everything else to come out of that was positive. Clean sheet, four goals past Stoke City, progression into round four. Um, just just a really good Saturday afternoon round three cup tie to sit and enjoy because if you'd have made six, seven, eight, nine changes as you ludicrously suggested, I think you would have lost a lot of the consistency, a lot of those um, connections on the on the field of play, the link ups, the combinations, and it could have made the tie and it would have made the tie a lot trickier. So to go in full strength. Uh, and cruise through 4-0 was very pleasing. Yeah, it was ludicrous in the end, wasn't it, having nine changes? But overall, we've got through. Disappointing was Dennis Pratt, and he's out for about three months or so. It looked a nasty one at the time, and it's being now confirmed it's going to be that amount of time, and he's going to be a miss, a, a really useful player in the squad. But then when you look through the, the starting lineup, and it sounds absolutely horrible, but if you had to pick a player who had to be injured for, for some farcical reason that one player had to be out for three months after this game, you would go through the side and probably Dennis Pratt would be that one. For me, I think so. Maybe all all Brighton's been playing exceptionally well and continued his good form, arguably, then Perez. But then you, you throw just about the strength of the squad. It's a horrible way of looking at it, but it, it happened. There we go. Schmeichel... It was a surprise to me that he was in goal, but then again, it it, it does make sense with what you said regarding being captain, etc. But it's uh, it just shows you how 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 strongly they're taking this competition, and and it was just a, a really professional but 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 decent watch in the end. They're a very limited side. It was interesting at the start with Castagno on the right and Justin on the left. You got James McLean on on their left, so it would have been against Justin. Whether that was the the really theory behind it, and what a first goal for Justin in the game! It was it was a brilliant, brilliant goal, and he was interviewed after and mentioned about cutting in on his right and the ability then to 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 do what he did, 
and it was just a, a, a fantastic goal. After that, his ability to use then his left foot to cross and to drill the ball in sometimes, and there was one lovely um, left-footed curling cross, it shows what, what a good player he is. And I was on a uh, a podcast yesterday regarding, a fellow um, uh, podcast regarding uh, commentators down at Southampton under the lights, if you want to listen to that. I was on for pretty much the whole thing as well, uh, talking about Leicester. And when we were talking about players... Uh, progression. I says, well, James Justin, in front of our eyes right now, game by game, is getting better and better and better. And this goal really caps the mountain that he's climbed. He's he's gone up and up and up every game in the last say two months. Better, better, better. We're waiting for Ricardo to come back, but it's still Justin, Justin, Justin. And then all of a sudden, the last three or so games fantastic performances and then bang he goes and does that after looking for maybe the first 15 or so minutes slightly not out of position but just getting his bearings completely understandable after playing on the right for so long and then switching to his left but he he is arguably at the moment in a side playing very well with stars like Yuri Tillemans producing game changing and deciding moments and again at the weekend with a, a couple of fantastic passes for goals with the likes of Barnes adding goals to his game and another player just getting better all the time is it a case Rob that James Justin has now become one of the main stayers of this team and arguably one of the first names on the team sheets and one of the 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 dangers that players and managers on the other side will look at Leicester straight away and go, right, well, on the right, Justin, or even on the left, he is a huge danger. Is is now James Justin a a mainstay of this side? Is he one of the first names on the team sheet? I think you've certainly got to consider him in that kind of category at the minute because we, we spoke about him uh, and how impressed we were with him earlier on in the season. And I seem to remember as actually saying, you know, it's a good benchmark. He's set himself a high standard of performance level so far. Uh, and we'll have another look at sort of halfway through the season and see if he can sustain that. Because he could, you, you never know, he could at the moment be a fairly average player in the form of his life. And, you know, over half a season, you could you could sustain that kind of form. But right now, at this moment, in the form that he's in, the confidence that he's got, the um, effectiveness he has in all areas of the field, whichever side you put him on, uh, whichever role you give him, he has to be. He's got. He's got to be one of those. And, and especially, you know, we talked a lot about his versatility, about his athleticism, and we're not really even discussing those things right now because what we're talking about is a huge improvement in his technical ability as well. And obviously exemplified by the strike, cutting inside onto that onto his right foot, bending it into the top corner. But equally, as as you said, capable and confident enough to go on the outside and use his left foot to put some deliveries into the box. He uses the ball very well. Um, his all round game at the moment is right up there, and you can't argue any different because he is cutting it week in week out in the Premier League, which is widely considered to be the most competitive and one of the most physical leagues in the world. He's playing whenever he's asked to. 
He's he's played the most minutes, I believe, of any Leicester player so far this season. And in all of those minutes, he's been putting in a high-quality performance. And we talk about uh, Ricardo as a former player of the season at Leicester. You know, we, we would have classed him at his peak um, um, performance levels before the injury as indispensable and you would have really worried and we did really worry when he was unavailable for selection for what was a considerable period of time we thought well what are we going to do but we're in such a good position now with Justin playing so well that there is absolutely no rush for Ricardo Pereira to come back and and he's not been forgotten about don't get me wrong but we're not constantly looking every press conference for Rodgers to say, come on, get Ricardo back in the team. Because the person that was his understudy for um, that period of time when he was first choice, James Justin, now has established himself as a first choice player at Leicester City, a team that are in the top four in the Premier League. And, you know, maybe a little bit premature in terms of full England senior cap calls, but it's certainly a conversation that some people have been having. And if he sustains this performance level at Leicester, in the Premier League, at right-back or at left-back, there's absolutely no reason if Southgate picks players on form. He likes to pick players that are coming through the the England age groups as well. There's no reason why he couldn't be considered for that. He looks to have all the attributes to do that. He looks to have the mentality to, to become a top, top player. And for his sake, for Leicester's sake, for our sake, I really would like to see him maintain this kind of level of performance for the long term, which immediately is the end of the season and beyond. Because to have Ricardo still out just about injured, maybe back in contention for the match day squad within the next couple of games and not be that bothered about it, great position to be in. Says a lot about the depth in the squad that we weren't sure was there at the start of the season. I think England-wise... It's um it's it's a no brainer because of his versatility. If you're going to a European Championships, which whether that's on or not, we will wait and see. But if you were building a squad for the European Championships, having a player who could play left and right back is just invaluable, absolutely invaluable. So you'd give him a a, a look see. I I think it's an absolute no brainer. With Justin, I I think at the beginning of the season. When he's playing for Leicester, you're looking for him to play to a standard, which means you're not missing the player he is replacing. And when he battles hard and he stands up to a player over the course of, say, two or three games, and you go, yeah, he's got he's got the physicality to, to, to play in the Premier League. He's, he's done well. And then when he starts to throw in attacking moves and to get forward and to help out and to have assists you go yes for these few games he 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 has now started to show what he can do going forward and when he's played as a right-sided center half in a back three you go well actually he's got the positional sense and the the mentality to to change his position and to adapt his game and be a very good right-sided center half in a back three, I still think maybe in a back two, maybe that's just maybe going one say step too much. But then this kind of develops over time, which it has, and you start to change from going, this deputy is now the sheriff. 
he is now progressing. He's not just filling a hole. He is now taking that hole and running with it, if you know what I mean. He's got the badge. He is now a first-team player. So how good can he be? Well, he's getting better and better and better. And I just think, game after game, he's getting better and better and better. And he is one of the first names on the sheet. I can see exactly why they moved him over to the left for this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back on the right. I think at the moment, if Ricardo, and this is fantastic for someone like Ricardo, absolutely fantastic, because there's no rush at all. Soyuncu didn't play in this game, and mentioned by Rogers in the press conference, they're not rushing him back. It's an injury, different injury to obviously Ricardo, but Soyuncu, and they don't have to at the moment because the way the defence is playing, and he can still come in and play. He's played what? 10 minutes against uh, against Stoke and it's going to be a gradual progression with Ricardo you've got two fullbacks playing very well you don't need to rush it okay it's a very serious injury and maybe it's an injury where they go look towards the end of the season you'll be able to play 90 minutes but as a season it's not a write-off but it's a season you've just got to really manage and then hopefully with a full pre-season and into next that's when you're really going to try and fly and get back into the first team proper. But at the moment, just back to Justin, it, it's just it's strange how a player, you know, you bring in a player and you're looking for him just to do a job and it just changes because of his performances. He's now exceptional for me. He's a fantastic footballer and it's great to see. It's brilliant. What, what, a, what a fantastic signing. Hats off to, you know, the recruitment team with this one and... He's just not stopping. He is not stopping. He's getting better in front of our eyes. And it's just so exciting. It really is exciting. And as we go forward, you look at teams like Southampton and Chelsea. And funny enough with Chelsea, obviously with the the, the, the Chilwell signing for them. It's a very easy thing to see and, and to make on, on, on Twitter and on social media when people say, oh yeah, we sold... Harry Maguire and we've got a better player in Soyuncu now. And, and we sold Chilwell and we've got a better player. In, in James Justin, and that's all very well and good, and it's it's to wind up people. But you look at it, and you kind of nod your head, especially with, and, and more power to Chilwell at Chelsea. I'm not really bothered what he does there and that, but he was he was fine at Leicester. But it's just, he, I'm incredibly excited by this player because I just don't think we have really scratched the surface with him. And I know the Luton Town manager was... Um, quoted with saying he always thought he was going to go and play for England but I think him being in an England squad will be fantastic for him because as much as he's been playing very very well as I just said I don't think we have scratched the surface I think there is a there's still so much to come from him and I think once he and and he's getting there he really is getting there once he has that I am a first-team Leicester player. I am one of the first players on the on the team sheet. I am not replacing a player. I'm not trying to play to a level where I'm not letting the side down because of this superstar who's been injured. And I think he's got to that level now where he goes, I'm expressing myself. And that goal against Stoke was one of the first times we've really seen him go, I'm going to go and do this myself. He's got the pace, he's got the power, he's got the skill, he's got everything for me, and it's it's just it's blooming exciting. It's not a case of Ricardo comes back to full fitness and eventually Justin ends up on the bench. It's not that now. It is Ricardo comes back, gets himself back to full fitness, and waits for an opportunity. 
because Justin is now one of the first choice fullbacks. And you'd have to say that Castagna has come back uh, uh, and he's probably up at about, what, 85-ish percent of, of the player that we saw before his injury in, the, in those glimpses early season. So you'd say that he's nailed down the other fullback slot. Um, and, and and that's that at the moment. Ricardo will obviously, from a team point of view, be looking at it going, oh, great, they've not missed me that much. Um, certainly not in, in this season. Um, I think we possibly did when Ricardo was injured last season because I don't think Justin was quite at the level. Well, I, I know for a fact that Justin wasn't at the level that he's currently um, at now. Um, and, and it is, yeah, Just Justin is, I've got the number two shirt. I start every week for a, t- a team in the top four and this is where I belong. And I think belonging is, he certainly does not look a toe out of place. No, not at all. It's, I think people can hear, you know, it's really, I'm incredibly excited by his play. Again, we haven't got anywhere near his peak. We always said with players like Chilwell, there was always, when going forward, he he, he got into great positions. And I always said he was great from running at deep when he didn't have to think about things, just react. And I think some of his best moments going forward for Leicester was when he had to react rather than actually think about things. And... You knew what his limitations were. Still a very good player. Other players, very, very similar. But but this guy, it could be absolutely anything. Absolutely anything. And it's it's fantastic, fantastic to see. On the other side of things, you look at someone like Mark Albrighton. Great for him to get a goal. What, what, a, what a couple of months he's had in a Leicester shirt. Really, really good. And he's he's playing to a, such a high level. And again, just a, a really competent and comfortable performance and you expect nothing less than that from from Marco Brighton great for him to get a goal great for Perez to get a goal uh, nice finish running onto a ball and and and, uh, and slotting that home and we're through and we're through to the next round and the next round's going to be it's going to be difficult but it's a team that we've beaten in the not too distant past what was it a year ago playing uh, Brentford away and um and Brentford pretty much Similar to last season, very good side, like to get forward, score plenty of goals, and it's going to be a tough tie. But then when they draw the fifth round straight away after, and you get a home tie against either Brighton or Blackpool, so let's more or less say say Brighton, that's a difficult game, following on from a difficult game. But when you're in the FA Cup fourth round and fifth round, and you don't pick a side of the top six, say, in the Premier League, that has to be a decent draw for Leicester, even though both ties are tricky on paper. It still has to be, a, overall, a good draw. It is. We've avoided anything where we where we go in and we are underdogs. And you also, to be fair... I would rather, and I think we've got a better chance of beating a team like Brighton than we have about beating a team like Brentford. You know, Brentford are, for the last couple of seasons really, they've been really on an upward trajectory and they're very, very close to becoming a Premier League club and playing well again this season. They play some decent football as well, the style of football. I'd much rather play against Brighton. So if we can get past um, Brentford in round four... I would very, very strongly back us to progress through round five as well. And it is, you know, it's 
it's nice to to kind of you know there's never really a, a, an FA Cup draw that you can look at and go that's exactly the one we wanted but you don't want to really draw one of the one of the proper cup upset sides yes most of the time you get through them but they can have a seriously damaging effect if you don't a la Wickham all those years ago um and at the same time you don't want to get one of the top Premier League sides you don't want to do what Manchester United and Liverpool have done and draw each other so to get a team like Brentford who are beatable yes they're another championship side and then to be drawn in the next round against what is likely to be Brighton it 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 provides a a sort of a positive path through the next couple of rounds of the FA Cup. And obviously, when you get down to fewer teams, the, most of the time, the teams that are left are half decent. Of course they are, because they've got through several knockout rounds. But And you expect that at that end of the of the cup competition. But it, it presents a real opportunity to continue the momentum and to um, embark on a bit of a cup run. Because I think every competition is important this season, not necessarily in terms of you got to go all out in every single game in every single competition because you want to win them all because we're realistically we're Leicester City we're not um in that kind of position probably maybe we don't know but it, you know it, it still means that against Brentford you could in theory switch around four five six players and probably more than likely navigate successfully your way through that that game same against Brighton and it means that around the whole club and around the season, it maintains a winning winning mentality. It continues everything heading in the right direction. And it means that you're still in more competitions later into the season. I think there would have been nothing worse this season for, for Leicester, or there will be nothing worse, and we're only pretty much halfway through, than only having one competition. Because... I, I think we can go deep into competitions like the Europa League and the FA Cup while still maintaining our objective for this season in the Premier League, which which has got to be top four, I think. And I think we can still maintain that. I, I, I'd probably get, I wouldn't say bored, but I like having the other interests as well. And I think this FA Cup draw gives us the opportunity to maintain those interests deeper into the season. It lifts the club to a different notch with this new training ground etc and all that's happened with the football club to be fighting on different different uh, front lines really with the Premier League with the FA Cup with, with with European football that's what you want year in year out that's what big clubs do and we are now a big club and that's where we want to be the players need to need to be able to do this because they're playing at Leicester now if they went to play for Man United or Liverpool that's what they were doing year in year out and I think Brentford, they're, they're a really good side. They're, they're a side that I think, if they get promoted, and I think they probably will this time around, they will, I think they'll flourish in the Premier League. I don't think there will be an automatic certainty for relegation. I think it's quite funny, actually. You've got someone like Norwich, who are top of the championship. And I think Norwich, if they, say, win the league and Brentford go up in second or maybe in the playoffs, I'd have Brentford having a... a, a a much better chance of staying up in the Premier League the way that they play and then and then say in Norwich who are, who are used to kind of going up and down etc like Ala say West Brom it would be um they'll be more akin to somewhere like Leeds for me uh, uh Brentford but it's a tough game and that's to come and uh, and fingers crossed we'll get through and then we play someone like a, 
uh, Brighton, and I agree with you. I think um, I, I think the more difficult game will be away at Brentford. So that's what's happened in the FA Cup, and then we've had Vardy's birthday the same day as Heskey's birthday. It's uh, quite amazing, but there we go. And and a few players have then left the football club in various means and ways. Um, more players going out on loan now. Benkovic, we mentioned last week, was returned from. Cardiff after having a very unsuccessful spell there only played what one game and uh, much to the amazement of their supporters only played the one game in their spell so get him back and he's um, gone to Leuven over in our sister club and well what a good signing for them and hopefully because they're doing extremely well he play alongside Andy King there and uh, hopefully he gets game time and who knows who knows what career he will have at Leicester at the moment, it's a career of going out on loan until eventually he's bought by someone. Essentially, that's the way it is. It might just happen that he he plays a game for Leicester through one way or another, and it just works, and he, he ends up being part of the first-team squad. Who knows, but good luck to him. I think it's a, a very sensible move. And then Islam Slamani leaves, and he's gone to Leon, and he's gone on a permanent. So he's now left the football club, and... You can now look back at the career of Islam Samani at Leicester, which you could probably have done about two years ago, really, in the same breath. I know he played this season one appearance, but uh, he's now gone, so that's money off the wage bill. It seems to me that there's been a, a, a real policy early on in this transfer window of moving players out on loan, which is good, rather than leave it to the last minute, uh, to see where we are, and then to basically be able to possibly bring someone in towards the end of the window depending on how the squad is at the end knowing that the players you want to ship out on loan have gone whether they're young players or players who still need to prove themselves like Benkovic uh, to ship out players who are no longer part of the first team squad uh, one or two have gone on loan who you think aren't really going to make it but then also someone like Slamani get rid get the money off the wage bill vitally important and then we can kind of readdress things at the end. Who knows whether someone's going to come in for Gray? I think they will. I don't think they'll come in with a bid to buy. I think it will be a loan, maybe with a loan to a permanent. It was certainly part of the topic I discussed with the Southampton lads, who um, one of the first things really about Gray because he's, they've been linked with him uh, quite heavily. And uh, so if he goes, more money's been taken off and it just looks like especially in that position as well. Gray goes, Slimani goes, or was gone. It kind of really points to Leicester signing one or two forwards more than likely in the summer. I think, you know, 99% it will be in the summer, but really going big. I think you look at the squad, it's very obvious that there is a place for a new number nine, maybe even a couple, and... I think that's where all the attention will be in the summer, transfer-wise. They've now taken a, a huge chunk. If you if you take Gray as well, how much is Slomani and Gray combined off the off the the wage? It has to be what one twenty, one forty, say a week. So there's a huge chunk been taken off. But uh, Slomani goes, and um, it just never worked for him, did it? We knew what player we were signing. He was heavily linked with Leicester for a couple of years prior. And on occasion, he was brilliant. When the team played to fit his style, he was fantastic. And it really could have worked for him at Leicester. It really could have done. But it didn't overall. And 
it's a shame. He's going to go down in history for me as a player who did well on occasion. Overall, his record for games started and goals scored wasn't incredibly bad, but it was just disappointing that we didn't get the best out of a player who ultimately, I think, could have scored a ton of goals for Leicester. I dread to think how much money that bloke's been taking home from Leicester City every week for the last four and a bit years. Madness. Uh, yeah, one of those where it's, it is a bit disappointing because he is a former club record signing. You know, when you spend in 2016, when you spend best part of £30 million on a striker, especially when you've just won the Premier League, you're thinking, here we go. You've got one of the um, one of the goal scorers from a, a decent European league in, in Portugal. He's probably going to give us a little bit of something different. He's not your Andy Carroll, your Peter Crouch, your target man as such, but he does give you some power and some ability in the air. Um, he gives you, he gives the teams that he's played for goals. But I think he's one of those players that you're absolutely right. The style of play has got to be built around him to make him the most effective, which is is fine. Um, you know, in in many clubs. You, you would probably do that with a striker like Islam Samani. You would build your style of play around the bloke who's going to score you the most goals if you get the ball to him in the right areas. And I don't think we were ever quite willing to do that. And it, it is probably, he's probably suffered more than anybody else really from the, um, from our, our focus on Jamie Vardy. For so long, our style of play has been built to suit Jamie Vardy and, and 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 why wouldn't you because he's been there or thereabouts in the running for the golden boot for years and years now in the Premier League of course you do that you can't all of a sudden then adapt your style of play to also bring in this other bloke um and get him scoring goals as well when they're two totally different strikers it, it was it was difficult for him in that and from that perspective I'd have been interested if he'd have got a better, a longer run on loan at a Premier League club. I know he had that very short spell with a couple of injuries in between at Newcastle, but I'd be interested to see if he could cut it in the Premier League if he was made a focal point of the team. I'm not sure. He might just be one of those players who suits the European League and can score a hatful of goals wherever he plays in Europe, apart from in England. Lots of players have have endured that kind of frustration in the past he he's not the first he won't be the last on the on the front of what can happen in terms of bringing another player in to fill or not to fill but to bolster those forward positions it's not necessary because Slamani and Gray between them have have probably played about 5 minutes of football this season so it's not like we're going to miss them that much but it does as you say it does offer if the club wants to reuse their their wages, their offloaded wage budget, on bringing somebody in, this might be a good opportunity to bring somebody in on a similar deal to the Cengiz Under deal, which has been talked about again this week. Uh, and really, Brendan Rodgers has said he's 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 had a couple of opportunities. He's not quite. We're still getting him up to speed with the Premier League. And he said, we'll make that decision at the end of the season. So he's on loan at the minute, probably with a fee. We're probably paying X amount of his wages, maybe even all of it, who knows. And there is likely to be an agreed transfer fee in the summer, should Leicester wish to take up that option. And I, if, if, if I were in the Leicester City hierarchy, which I'm clearly not, 
I'm a school teacher from Sheffield, but I'd be looking at a similar deal for a maybe slightly unsettled striker or a striker who's got eyes on a bigger prize in this window. You know, I'm just looking now at the the transfer news about Slomani. I was just reading upon the report of of him moving on, and he's coming into Leon because Leon have loaned Musa Dembele, former Celtic player, to Atletico until the end of the season, where Atletico have got the option to make the move permanent for nearly thirty million pounds. That's the kind of deal, if possible, Leicester could look at now in January because Jamie Vardy is slowing down a little bit in terms of the fact that he, he's got that niggling injury which means that he, he does need to sit out of certain games Ian Acho I'd be very surprised if he's in Brendan Rodgers' mind as the natural successor, he's alright at the club as, at the moment with Perez starting against Stoke as the number 3 striker, but this is a good opportunity to get somebody in on loan to start with and say, look, you're going to get your opportunities between now and the end of the season, especially if we stay in the FA Cup and the Europa League. Plenty of games coming up. We'll play to your strengths if it's somebody with pace in behind, and I would imagine that that will be the kind of striker that we try to replicate. And then if you do well, if we like you around the place, we sign you in the summer, and you get even more game time next year because Jamie Vardy's then well into his mid-30s, and you become the natural successor. It, it seems to be from my point of view, a good option. It just depends who, in terms of the personnel, is out there at the moment and would possibly be receptive to that kind of deal. Yeah, it, it does. And and in also the, the state of play of of the club that they're at at the moment. I don't think I don't think it will happen. I think Leicester will, will be going in the summer for, for a permanent kind of move or, or even with a, a loan like they have done with, with Cengiz Under. I just can't see it happening in this window unless something just out of the blue happens you know a player becomes available uh, let's just say like a Cavani uh, going to Man United all of a sudden like oh this player's available right we'll get him that sort of player maybe an experienced player for six months or whatever it's a, a too good to be true or too good to turn down kind of uh, move for a player apart from that I think they'll be they'll be happy with what they've got when it comes to, um, I think Iniacho, I think he's Iniacho's. I think he's at the, he's he's obviously at the football club, but I don't see Rogers trusting him. I don't think he really, I don't think he would ever sign him. And um, he's got a year and a half left on his contract, so his contract will be up in twenty twenty two. So whether they will look to move him on or not, I don't know because he will obviously command a fee and I think if the opportunity arises for him to move from a football club point of view I think they would I think they would move him on but also you look at the player as well and you think well is he gonna is he gonna move away from Leicester in say the final year of his deal because he's not gonna leave in January in the summer are they if you're Kelechi Inacho you're at Leicester you've got a year left on your deal you are playing second fiddle to Jamie Vardy, you're settled at the club, you know, you're obviously well-liked and everything, everything's fine. Do you stick around for a year, knowing that you're probably going to drop down the pecking order because they're going to sign a couple of players, but you're on a very good wage and you're at a good football club and then you've got the possibility at the end of it of moving for a free anywhere in the world on your own terms? 
Or do you then go, do you know what? I'm going to go now and um, because they're bringing in extra players. That's going to be an interesting one in the summer. What happens with him? It, it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think the football club will be in a mad rush to get rid of him because, again, if you're on a, you've got a year left and you've got a settled player, it's it, it's decent to have around him unless they're going to say cause trouble or whatever. But uh, I think that's uh, that's an interesting one when it comes to the summer. But I think nothing will happen in this window. But who knows? Who knows? I I just think they'll they'll keep with what they've got and uh, and what they've got is it's going very well. Um, when it comes to Chengiz under that's an interesting one. He's um, he's back ready for selection, says uh, Rogers. Uh, he had a, a problem with his ankle. It it would be great, and I think in these next couple of games coming up, someone like him, I can see him obviously getting game time because these two games are in pretty quick succession. What a late kick off eight o'clock on Saturday, and then it's the seven forty five, I think. Uh, against Chelsea on the Tuesday, so there's not a lot, an awful lot of time there, and you'd imagine someone like Jenga's under will get some game time, and we're just still waiting for him to to kind of explode and to and to really kick on. And if he does, I wouldn't be surprised. And then if Leicester make the 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 deal permanent at the end of the season, it, that's great because it means he would have had a, a fantastic final few months at Leicester. If it doesn't work out, never mind. Thanks for coming. We'll we'll go elsewhere and and use the money that they were going to sign. They were going to use for him, what, 20-odd million quid somewhere else. So uh, it's kind of just a, a win-win situation. But uh, but that's where I think it's going to happen with, with someone like uh, Kelechi and, and with uh, with Jengis. I don't think he'll start, obviously, this game against Southampton. And by all accounts, Danny Ings isn't going to start because he's been suffering with COVID. And more than likely, I think he's available for selection. So at the moment, I think there's been... A, a huge because it was only a few hours ago this news was uh, was kind of released in in Hassan Hoodle's press conference. I still think look, looking at what he actually said regarding Ings, it's not he's got COVID, he is self isolating, he is definitely not playing this weekend. That's it. That's not the case. I wouldn't be surprised if Ings is starting for Southampton and. It was just he's had it. Um, he's been self-isolating since, but he's absolutely fine. And there he is in the starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's fifty-fifty. So the likelihood of Ings starting, it could happen. And if he doesn't, brilliant, because that would weaken the side so much. Not having a Danny Ings in a game where I think this is an incredibly closely matched game. Their record against Leicester is fantastic in the last couple of years. What, a couple of 2-1 wins at the King Power. We know what happened a couple of years back down at Southampton. Was it a year ago? I mean, what's happened since? But uh, it's it's a very close game between two very even match sides, two sides in good form. And it's going to be a real tough test for Leicester. I hope Danny Ings doesn't start. The way I've read it, the headline says Danny Ings out of um, Southampton's game against Leicester. And I read the headline, I thought, great. Good job I read the story because... As far as I understand it, he's now out of out of isolation and he can train on Friday. Um, doesn't say whether he will train on Friday. Doesn't say whether he's got any um, longer lasting effects of having had COVID. You know, some people get a positive test, didn't even know they had it. 
don't feel any kind of symptoms and just crack on once they come out of isolation, crack on with the daily lives, no, no, no bother. But it has hit some of the Premier League footballers this season. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we were previewing the Newcastle game. Lascelles, St. Maximan, still not been seen, I don't think, on the football pitch in, in quite a, a, a few weeks now. So if Ings has had any effects from it, then he probably won't play on Saturday. But if he's just had a positive test, he's been isolating and he trains uh, on Friday in preparation for the game, then you could see him um, at some point. And I think, yes, without him, of course, they are far less potent than they would be with him. I'm just sort of looking back at their recent form. And you, and you, you say in form, I, I would guess, I would say yes, to an extent, they're, they're seventh in the Premier League. They're only three points behind us in a very, very congested top half of the of the league. And until a couple of games ago, they were inside the top four. And that's really because they've had a couple of draws. They, they didn't score a goal over the festive period, which I, I find very interesting. They they had a couple of nil-nils against West Ham and Fulham. Didn't score in a 1-0 defeat to Man City, but then they kick-started the year with a 1-0 win over Liverpool. So, you know, they'll, they'll come into it relatively confident. Um, but without Danny Ings, I would, I would say that that tips the balance in Leicester's favour. Um, because I think we've got more players that can hurt them than they have um, hurt than they have the ability to hurt us. I think they are we are similar in in and I listened to little snippets of you on that podcast yesterday, Pete, mainly because I had nothing better to do. No offense, um, but you, you're right in terms of comparing the 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 sizes of the clubs, the stadiums, always a, a kind of comparison in in many ways as well. I think we've got more quality in our squad than they have. I think they are in the position that they're in at the moment because they are well organised, they are hard working, and they have got some talented individuals. But I look across their team, and there are very few players. If you if you produced a combined eleven, there are very few players that I would select to replace um, a Leicester player in the starting 11 I think we've got better quality individuals who are capable of having an impact on the game and and hopefully that will tell on Saturday evening yeah I I agree with you regarding if you go kind of man for man you would pick Leicester players over Southampton more times than not they've got they're, they're a really good side they've got some players who who I've really liked for quite a long time. The, the goalkeeping situation is quite interesting because Alex McCarthy, the goalkeeper, he's had, I think the obviously had a, a, a bout of coronavirus and uh, he's missed a few games. But their sub-goalie is Fraser Forster, who he's not, he's not had the career I thought he would do because I thought he was going to be like an all-time great when he first burst on. He really looked like he was, the size of the guy. I thought he was a fantastic keeper. Uh, but I've always, even though... Schmeichel, who will make his what four hundredth appearance for Leicester this weekend, uh, he he's not the goalkeeper of say compared to Fraser Forster. I like a a big goalkeeper, someone like a Van der Sar, that that kind of goalkeeper. For I like that in in if I had to sign a goalkeeper, that would be a a, a player and, and of build uh, the build of a goalkeeper that I would like. And then you got someone like Cassius Michael, who's had a brilliant Leicester career, is completely nuts. But um, so yeah, there will be a question mark there also. When we were linked with um, Vestergaard, and I seem to remember he he was quite poo pooed by an awful lot of 
Leicester fans and, and, and saying, you know, for the money, what, 20 million, 18 million. Not entirely sure. It's not. I was quite up on this. I wanted, I, I said, this is quite a, a good signing if it goes through. Uh, a goalkeeper who's uh, very closely matched with Schmeichel through their, uh, their time with the national side in Denmark. And uh, also plenty of experience. It looked like a no-brainer. Also plenty of height. Um, and yes, he was quite in and out at Southampton. Well, since then, since we didn't sign him, he's had a brilliant season. He won't be uh, playing for Southampton uh, on Saturday. But they've still got Bedinac in their starting lineup, and they do have uh, a very potent um, set play routine, and, and and they do take advantage of set plays when you've got James Ward-Prowse delivering the ball, arguably probably the best in the Premier League, really, from a dead ball situation either striking a goal or delivering the ball into the penalty box from a corner or a free kick, you're naturally going to go with, uh, if you're going to sign a player for Southampton, you're going to go with a bit of height, say, for a defender, purely to add to the potency of of their dead ball situation. So it's um, it, it will be difficult, but with him missing, you kind of allay a lot of their danger going forward through set plays. And away from them, apart from the forward line, we know that Che Adams, you know, Leicester lad really, is a is, is a decent centre forward. Maybe Shane Long will come into the side if if Danny Ings isn't playing. But overall, I think it's two closely matched sides. But you're just gonna just tip to Leicester, aren't you? You you look at say a, a Tillemans in midfield and with Madison and say Vardy back in the side. You just think there's an extra something there. You do have to look at the record, though, Southampton, those 2-2-1 wins at the King Power, and then also Leicester's record in the King Power, as we know, this season hasn't been great. But if they're going to turn that form around, that's what well, that's what they'll need to do if they're going to get a top-four place this season, which ultimately is the aim. And there's no better time to do that with two home games on the on the bounce against two sides who will be pushing Leicester for places in the top six and top four, Southampton and especially Chelsea. So I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think plenty of goals. I can't. See, I know um, Southampton have, have really kept it tight. They don't concede many goals. Those games you mentioned recently, the couple of nil-nil draws, they then uh, only lost one nil before that against Manchester City. And then in their previous game, they beat Liverpool 1-0 in a, in a very entertaining game, actually. I remember watching that. So they don't concede. And they haven't scored many goals, and they might be missing their star centre forward. So to actually predict that it's going to be high scoring might be the the wrong way. But I think, Rob, it's going to be high scoring, and I think that Leicester will possibly come out on top. I mentioned on their podcast, on the Southampton podcast, uh, I, I went for two two. I will not be surprised if Leicester draw this game. I think if you were to offer a draw and a win over the next two games, Southampton and Chelsea, most people would go, well, the win's against Southampton and the draw against Chelsea. I wouldn't be amazed if it's maybe the other way round. I I can see this game ending in a draw and then Leicester then going on and beating Chelsea on Tuesday. But I'm just going to side with Leicester overall. I want to go 3-2. I was going to say, hopefully you would say a draw on the Southampton podcast 
just to be polite and to say thank you very much for having me. Let's just take a point each and and we'll move on. But yes, on on this Leicester City podcast, quite rightly, you should be saying three two. When you said high scoring, I thought that might be the the figure that came out of your uh, mouth. I'm gonna go us to win it by a goal. Still, I'm gonna go two one. But I totally agree with your point about taking four points from the next couple of games. That'd be excellent. Six would obviously be ideal. Of course, you want to win every game, get as many points as you can. But two teams that are very much in and around the same sort of pack as us, to get positive results and, and points off of both of them is is really important, actually. Because, you know, a couple of games ago, everybody was saying Manchester City are, are lagging behind. Um and if you just looked at their position in the league table, yes, they were. But games in hand and the proximity of all of the teams in the top 10, they weren't really lagging behind. And, and here they are now leapfrogging us last night after their after their win, um, albeit only on goal difference. But, you know, Chelsea down in ninth place at the minute, but only six points behind us. Southampton in seventh, only three points behind us. We... Uh, and Manchester City and Manchester United more than anybody really have proven that that momentum is really massive it's it, to to keep in the right space in this pack really because you can very quickly tumble out of it spurs were top of the league a few weeks ago and now they're sitting in sixth you know you've got to keep on picking up points uh at, at a fair rate really and that's always the case if you want to maintain a top 4 position but i think this season more than ever how close things are, especially if you're picking up points against nearish rivals like Southampton and Chelsea. It's really, really important. So I'm going to go for the win against Southampton because I'm probably, why not, blue-tinted spectacles going to go for a win against Chelsea as well. Let's have all six, shall we? Yeah, why not get all six? Chelsea are a very, very interesting side. Just looking down at their recent games, you go back to what the beginning, say, of December, you, you've got a defeat at Everton. You've got a defeat at Wolves. You've got a 3-0 home win against West Ham. Probably the most unconvincing 3-0 home win I remember that game that you'll see. A defeat then 3-1 at Arsenal. A draw against Villa. A defeat at home against Man City 3-1. And yes, they beat Morecambe in the FA Cup. So out of form Chelsea. I will look very closely at what Chelsea do in their game this weekend. They are away at Fulham. Decent Fulham, fully enough, since they uh, won at the King Power, they've really turned their form around and become quite a strong team and difficult to score against and, uh, and, and, and a decent side. They, I think that game will have a, a big bearing on what happens on Tuesday. Now, Leicester, I think if... I don't think it will be detrimental against Chelsea what happens against... Southampton. I don't think it really has a, a lot of a, a lot of uh, say with Leicester. I think that the, the way that they play and and the form that they're in. I think if it, if they do slip up against Southampton, I'll still be uh, quite confident about them getting something against Chelsea. I think they'll be able to kind of put that to one side and and move on, or just carry on with the form if they if they turn them over. But I think Chelsea, with the form they're in in the Premier League, I think if they slip up against Fulham. On Saturday, that will heap an awful lot of pressure, not only on the players, but also on the manager. And then on Tuesday, if they get a bad start against Leicester at the King Power, you might have the the the, the, the birth or the, the start 
or who knows, even the pile on top of what's already been there, but thought of the players, maybe looking at the bench and looking at what's going on, or maybe being on the bench and looking at the manager and, and, and maybe saying, hang on, we, we don't quite fancy this. You know, it's all gone a bit wrong at Chelsea. Who knows? If they lose to, to Fulham, which can easily happen, and then they have a bad start against Leicester, I'm not going to say they're going to throw the towel in, but some I don't think the apple cart's not very happy at the moment at uh, Stamford Bridge. So... I'll be keeping a close eye on that uh, that Fulham game. That said, Chelsea could go to Fulham quite easily with their side, spank them 4-0 and turn up at the King Power in red-hot form with their their superstar players, especially their forward line that's been uh, misfiring all season, their new signings especially, with um, you know a few goals in their bag from Craven Cottage. So it could work the other way. But I'll be keeping a close eye on that game on, on Saturday what happens against Chelsea? Well, I can only say for Leicester, I can't see there being many changes. Obviously, depending on what happens with the game on, on Saturday against Southampton. But if everyone comes out of the game relatively okay, I can't see Leicester making many changes for Chelsea. I think it will be pretty much the same starting lineup. Maybe just maybe the one change, depending on what happens with, say, the forward line. I can see maybe someone like Perez maybe coming in for a starting berth against Chelsea, uh, maybe a little bit of rotation in those kind of three behind Vardy. But uh, apart from any injuries, I can't see there being any real cause for any huge changes to the side. And I will be confident against Chelsea. I think, uh, I think again, you're looking at the two sides and the way that they're playing, I can see there being quite a lot of goals as well. And funnily enough, Rob, I'm going to go for... The same score. I'm going to go that Leicester are going to win 3-2 against Southampton and they're going to win 3-2 against Chelsea. Back-to-back 3-2s. What a couple of games we've got to look forward to. Well, if if the listeners, uh, if your prediction, Pete, for the number of changes to the Leicester team for the Stoke games, anything to go by, these are both oh. going to be nil-nils. But I like your optimism. 3-2, 3-2. That would absolutely do. I think you're right. The game, Chelsea's game on Saturday against Fulham, will really dictate the way that they approach the game against Leicester on Tuesday because, you know, that that's one win in five, um, in the last five, is, is against West Ham. As you said, not particularly convincing. Uh, a couple of things could have gone um, West Ham's way early doors and, and that would have been a, an entirely different result. Obviously, they didn't, but Chelsea seemed to go through some seriously up patches and some seriously down patches as well and if they struggle to get a result against Fulham on Saturday afternoon then they're going to come to Leicester with almost a a blend of desperation and nervousness which those two things combined on a football pitch are, are very rarely going to give you any kind of promising performance or result and and that would play right into our hands, particularly if we got ourselves at least a point against Southampton ourselves on Saturday. So, I, I But I also agree with you, if we lose to Southampton, it's not the end of the world because they're a team very near to us. It's going to be a game with, with quite a few fine margins, you would imagine, uh, and Leicester would just, you would hope, be able to reset and go again against Chelsea possibly with a couple of changes to freshen things up if certain players didn't quite reach uh, expected performance levels or just wanted to tweak a couple of players, freshen things up in a couple of positions, fine. Uh, But no wholesale changes. 
Chelsea's game on Saturday has a huge bearing on this fixture because even if they beat Fulham, Leicester would still fancy the chances of beating Chelsea at the moment, such as their softness in matches. They're not very good at, um, at grinding out results. Um, and But also such as the, the fact that you don't really know which Chelsea's going to turn up. So let's hope that Fulham can do their old West London rivals over and leave them coming to us in a bit of a state, really, because they could drop... Um, well, they could they, they could drop down to 10th and 9th at the minute. And yes, yes, they're still well within touch of the pack, but a couple of defeats against Fulham and Leicester and Chelsea are all of a sudden languishing in mid-table and looking desperately at the manager, looking at the new signings, looking at where and and what needs to change very quickly. There's been talk, some rumours about possibly Avram Grant coming in to become Frank Lampard's assistant, which is a, a, a little bit of one out of the blue. But certainly things aren't all rosy at Chelsea at the minute. So it's something that we hopefully will be able to take um, advantage of. Uh, and if I'm going for... I've, I've already stuck my neck out and said we're going to get all six points, haven't I? So I've said 2-1 against Southampton. I'll take a... 2-0 against Chelsea, us leading 1-0, them getting a bit desperate in the second half and us scoring a breakaway to make it comfortable scoreline-wise, 2-0. Oh, fantastic, I'll definitely take that. So uh, so two wins for Leicester for me and two wins for Leicester for you. Well, when we come back uh, this time next week or whenever, <laughs> we'll be on the back of six points and, and riding high in the top four, which is something that I'm definitely not in the fantasy league. So we'll do the top ten of the fantasy football, Bearing in mind, we still have one game of the game week to come, which is tonight, Arsenal against Palace. But we'll do the league. Here's the top ten. So up into tenth place, 1,056 points. It's JFC Leicester, John Follows. Down into ninth, Gareth Bell, Bulldogs Forever, 1,061 points. Down into eighth, it's Humza Yazdani with FC Mordor, 1,066 points. Up into seventh, John Almeida with Sagres United, 1,069 points. Up into sixth, it's Rob Ford, Gardner's Delight, 1,071 points. Down into fifth, Kieran Ford, Vardy is my king, 1,084 points. Up into fourth, it's Joe Healy with Les Dennis, 1,092 points. The top three, all non-movers. In third, Sam Lau, 1,102. Steve Curtin with FC Vladovic Barbers, 1,107. And top, Luke Taylor, tailor-made, 1,116. Now... I am down in 16th place, had a half-decent midweek, uh, made a few transfers, didn't use my free hit, which a lot of people have done. Uh, I managed to get uh, a few points. I'm down in 16th, but I'm, because um, again, top 10 is my aim, I'm only, Rob, uh, 13 points off the top 10 um, with a possible uh, free hit to use this week, because this week there's obviously double game weeks, including Leicester. Um, yourself, well, you you what last? No, I'm not. Well, I've just looked at your position. Actually, you've done. You've had a decent week to score fifty-one and not use your free hit. Fair play. That's that's decent. This is now. 
I would like to claim that for the most part of the season, I've been uh, forgetting to do my team before the deadline. Uh, but I haven't. Every every single game week, I've been trying my best and failing absolutely miserably. And every week we do this, I've fallen further down the league table. This week, at the moment, I've actually moved up. I've got a little green arrow next to my team name. Albeit, I'm still in the 100, so I'm not of any consequence to anybody. But I did forget to do my team this week. Well, I, I try. I, I logged onto the app on Tuesday after work, thinking I'd get in before um, the evening kickoff, not realizing or not remembering that there's all sorts of ridiculous kickoff times these days. And there was a six o'clock, and I was out of time, so I was stuck with what I had, uh, which didn't do very well for me in the previous weeks anyway. Um, and uh, at one point in the Spurs game the other night, Reggion had a. Uh, clean sheet and an assist and I was thinking and, and he was doing all right and I was I was looking up in the 20s in terms of points which when you consider most of my players weren't even playing I thought it was half decent um and then he had the goal disallowed towards the end after the sack after the clean sheet had gone um and you know it's just another one where it wasn't my week but I, I've got 21 points and I've moved in the right direction at the moment obviously one game still pending for the game week but I need to have a bit of a study of this uh, and see what I can do to try and claw back some kind of respectability in the next coming game game week or weeks. Yeah, I'm looking at the site. I've not yet made my decision whether I'm going to use the free hit or not. I think I am. But I, I made a couple of transfers. I cost myself a few points by doing so, but I wanted the players to be playing. I wanted a full side. So I brought in De Gea clean sheets. I got a couple of clean sheets with Cancelo and Stones. Um... Rashford got an assist, uh, Kane scored. But the, the one disappointing thing for me, I captained De Bruyne, KDB, and I've been doing him for a while. But the problem with him is he got an assist for the goal and then he gets fouled in injury time. And I'm like, right, here we go. It's going to be a, it's a penalty, but also he's going to take it. And then Sterling takes it and takes the most ridiculous penalty you've ever seen. So I, surely KDB would have scored if he took the penalty. I was thinking, here we go, loads of points. And and if, he's, if he took the, the penalty, it would have been... Um, Top ten, here we come, kind of thing. But uh, never mind. But I'm 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 looking at this game week, and the the big thing with all, and everyone knows who who's been playing FPL. It's the fixtures. The fixtures have been changing so much. You look at Villa, and they haven't played for a while, and then they're going to have like five games in ten days or something stupid. So there's loads of games changing all the time. This next game week's absolutely crazy. Just looking at the. The fixtures coming up. Everton don't have a game in this game week, and yet there's about nine teams who are playing twice. It's <laughs> it's quite frankly ridiculous. So uh, yeah, make sure you're sorting your teams out on the fancy football fronts. Well, that's it then for the podcast. Once again, make sure you uh, rate, review, and subscribe. That's what people say. Um, to the podcast, uh, however you do listen to this. Also, follow us on social media at FFS Pod and also on Facebook as well. Anything else to report, Rob? I can't think of anything. No, hopefully six points and uh, cemented a top four position next week. So that's on offer then. Six points and uh, and maybe sneaking into the top ten of the fancy football. Nothing really, uh, <laughs> nothing, not too much to ask for. But uh, enjoy the football this weekend and we'll be back next week to talk about those games and the up-and-coming fixtures and anything else that happens at Leicester. Mm-hmm.